Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Well, last week, as I briefly mentioned, was the beginning of a new series of talks that we've been tackling as a community, and we're calling them A Healthy House. What does it mean to be a healthy house? And last week, we dove into this pursuit by establishing a foundation that it's time to flourish, right? It's time to flourish. Can everybody say flourish? It's time to flourish. And we used Psalm 92 kind of as our roadmap for our time last week. And I'd love for us to read us together. Going to go kind of old school here. But here we go, everybody, in your big, loudest voice, you've got the righteous will flourish. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay so fresh and so green, green, right? The NIOCV version. The New International Outcast version, okay? If you don't know who Outcast is, don't Google him. He's a rapper. If you do know who he is, I know you. I'm joking. I'm just messing with some people. All right. So the righteous will what? The righteous will what? The righteous will what? So we left with this idea that if we're faithful to allow the roots of our heart to go deep into the soil of the character of God, no matter what is coming at us, no matter what is swirling around us, the righteous will what? Flourish. It's all about the roots of our heart, and it comes from the dirt. Our strength comes from the dirt our roots are planted in. Where will the righteous flourish? In the house of God. It's time to flourish. And when the roots of our heart are dug deep into the soil of the the character and the consistency and the amazing nature of our God, the miracle working God, the God that we've been singing about, when the roots of our hearts are dug deep into that soil, we view what's coming at us, not with the idea of where is my God, but from the stance of watch my God. Those who are flourishing in the middle of a storm do not declare, where's my God? They declare, watch my God. Because we become unshakable when the roots of our heart are dug deep in the soil of the character of God. The righteous will what? The righteous will flourish. And we want to take another step in this journey of leaning in to what it looks like for us to be a healthy house. As we're kind of gearing up, beginning of the fall, to to look out and to have a big heart of invitation and to throw our nets wide and to expect that God is going to fill this place with hundreds of new people that need to know and experience His radical love and grace. As we prepare for that, we want to make sure that we've taken some time to look in, because if we want to look out well, we have to be healthy in. 
right? So being a healthy house revolves more about us being healthy people together as a community than it has to do with anything that we do, any program that we set up, any banner that we hang, any light that shines. If we are not flourishing, if we are not experiencing the life of God, if we are not experiencing the faithfulness of his character and his nature, then we can't give away what we don't have. So the righteous will what? They will. Now I want you to turn to Luke 17. Luke 17, we're going to start in verse 11. If you don't have your Bible, don't stress about it. We're going to put it on the screen. You can watch along as we go and see how many words I pronunciate wrong. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, first of all, are you thankful that God on the way tells a story? That even when you're on the way somewhere, that there's not just a passing season. Every season can matter when the roots of your heart are dug deep in the soil of the character of God. The righteous will what? Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him and they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And they went and they were cleansed. Everybody say amen. Amen. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. And then verse 17, Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This morning, I want to dive into the idea that you are not disqualified. You are not disqualified. If you're a note taker, that's what I would write on the top of my notes. If you're not a note taker, you're going to become one today. And you're going to write on the top of your paper, you are not disqualified. You are not disqualified. Now, here's the thing. I grew up in Texas. Anybody else grow up in Texas? Now, I don't know what happens in high school in Texas where there's a week with everything classy and everything beautiful is thrown out the window to celebrate this thing called homecoming. Okay, I don't know what I love Texas. I think Texas is the greatest state by far of any other state. I think we could stand alone and stand tall, right? I mean, the other states hang on to our coattails. I believe that. But I don't understand why in high school in Texas for this week that's called homecoming week, everything that has been cool for ages, everything that has been classy for ages evaporates and all of a sudden this becomes cool. I do not understand why that is a good idea ever. Look at this other one. Okay. Why does this happen? There's a, there's a smurf. They can't walk. What is this whole, what is this on? What is this pinned on? 
What, a Kevlar vest? Show me the other one. What is this guy doing? He even put her name on it, Sabrina, so everybody knows who she is. I don't understand this about Texas. Now, if you're in high school, don't let your heart be troubled. There's hope for you. Antioch Youth is starting September 17th, and you can experience life in classy t-shirts, all right, together. And if you're not in youth, but you want to be a part of the story of youth, you can jump into that team because we would love to have you. But I don't get this. I don't understand that. I don't. And what is up with this ungodly pressure for young men who don't have jobs to come up with hundreds and thousands of dollars to purchase fake flowers with Smurfs glued, hot glued, okay? They don't even have the decency and the time to use a pen. Hot glued onto fake flowers with ribbons and cowbells. And if you're into this, feel judged. Look, my parents took care of my needs, man. They took care of me. Everything I needed, my parents made happen for me. But there was a very clear need and want category in the Griffin household. Needs were food, clothing, shoes. Now, we would sometimes disagree on the level of shoe need. But they were in the need category. Papa Griff, okay, looked at these gaudy things and said, that's a want category. So as a young man who was working a part-time job, didn't have a ton of money, had to pay for my own insurance and gas, all of that money that I was making would go to other things. Now it's homecoming. I'm feeling pressure to come up with money to pay some florist who is just laughing to the bank for this gaudy thing that someone's going to wear two times and then throw in the trash. It was unbelievable. Now, to add insult to injury, I scrounge up a little bit of change that I have, come up with like $50. Now, that's a lot of money, okay? And I get like this little one bell, two petals, mum. I don't even feel like a man, you know? I, I, I feel worthless, and I'm going over to this girl's house who was coming with my date to homecoming, and we were going out. You guys remember that crap? We were going out, okay? We didn't go anywhere, but we were going out. And so I, I get a ride to her house because I'm not even old enough to drive. And, and I get a ride to her house, and I'm now going to give her this little thing, you know, that's called a mom, and then we're going to take pictures, and then she's going to wear it to school tomorrow for, like, the parade of Gotti. And then that night is the game and then the homecoming dance, right? Anybody do this routine? All right, so, so I, I give her this thing. I feel insulted by her response as she looks at my petty mom like, come on, man, you know? And then I go home. Then my phone rings. Hey, uh, J.D., I just want you to know that I'm still going to go with you to the dance tomorrow, but this isn't going to work out. And I'm like, you have got, I spent $50 on fake flowers. Now, as fate would have it, the people that we were already planning to go with, okay, the guy won homecoming king, star of the football team, okay? I was not that guy. 
the other guy won homecoming king, star of the football team, everything great. That night when we were to going out to get love was kindled. Not with me and my date, but with my date and that dude. Okay, so I'm watching romance bud as she's wearing my $50 mom. You know what I mean? In a way, I'm kind of like this. I had something to do with this romance, right? Because her disappointment led to her need to be loved by this joker. And I'm watching this romance, but 12 years later, they're married. They got three kids. They're great. I love him. He's a pastor in Seattle. He's a great dude. But I've never felt more disqualified than that night. I couldn't do anything right. Have you ever felt disqualified? Have you ever felt like it's just a matter of time until they find out who I really am or find out how small the mom is that I'm going to give them? And that they're going to say, this is not going to work. Have you ever felt disqualified? Maybe it was something that you did in your past. Maybe you have kind of a black cloud over you for decisions that you made in your past. Maybe you felt disqualified because of the color of your skin. Maybe you felt disqualified because you didn't live in the right neighborhood. But the idea and the feeling of being disqualified from doing something, experiencing something, or being a part of something is universal. Our stories might differ, but that sense of I just can't seems to fill all of our stories in some capacity. Have you ever felt disqualified? Now, no group of people in Jesus' day would have felt more disqualified than the lepers. I mean, they literally would have to live in a town outside of town that was just known as a leper colony. They couldn't interact with people. They couldn't see their family. They couldn't do what everybody else did. They were completely separated. They were seen as unclean. So the gap that they would experience emotionally was not just from the pure distance that they had to keep from people, maybe even people that they loved, but was also a spiritual reality that they were seen as unclean, unfit to engage with righteous people. They couldn't go to church. They couldn't worship. They couldn't sacrifice. They couldn't do any of that stuff because they had leprosy. They were disqualified from everything. They were disqualified from everything. Now, what blows me away about this interaction that Jesus has with these lepers is that it says that they stood far off and then they, they shouted to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. They, they stood far off. You know why they stood far off? Because they had been programmed that their brokenness equaled distance. So the idea of even approaching Jesus would have been absolutely foreign to them because they knew that there had to be a separation from their uncleanliness, from anybody that was seen as clean. So they stood at a distance and they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Now, Jesus' interaction with them is interesting to me because he didn't say go wash in the water and then come out and you'll be clean, although he did say that. He didn't say that this time. He didn't just shout back, be healed, and they looked down and all of a sudden that they were made well. Although he did that, that didn't happen 
this time. Jesus' response was, go show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. This was interesting to me. I was like, Jesus, why would you say, go show yourself to the priest? This doesn't make any sense to me. God, I mean, why didn't you just tell them be healed? But it says, go show yourself to the priest. Why would you say that? Because he was speaking to them. And they would have known better than anyone else that in Leviticus 14, God broke down for this dude named Moses who kind of wrote all the laws and rules and regulations. He broke down in Leviticus 14 for Moses the step-by-step process of seeing somebody go from unclean to clean after they had been healed from an infectious skin disease. I mean, it's a very detailed list. I mean, all these different kinds of things, including birds and killing a bird and splashing water on a bird and lots of weird stuff. But the first step in that process that they would have not just known but probably longed for was go show yourself to the priest. So when they heard, go show yourself to the priest, they heard, I've been made well. Because the priest had the authority to determine if you were really clean or not. So the process of transformation and restoration from being disqualified to qualified that had all of these steps involved to represent what had happened internally, externally, all started with standing in front of the priest. Now, I love the Bible because the Bible is telling one story. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, it's telling the story of the greatest rescue mission of all time. And that is that the people of God continually do things that separate them from God. And God in his grace and sovereignty and hope and life makes a way back for those who are unclean, disqualified to be made clean, qualified. And so when Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, he's not only playing in on their understanding of the process from going from disqualified to qualified. He's painting a picture for us because we too will stand in front of the priest. The great high priest, the Bible says. In Hebrews 4, it says, therefore... Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. Can you say it with some of it? confidence. Let us approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence. So that we may receive and find grace to help us in our time of need. Whatever your infection is this morning, 
Whatever your infectious disease is this morning, whatever that thing is inside of you that feels like is disqualifying you, keeping you at a distance, maybe you're here but you're distant. Have you ever been in a room but your heart is a mile away? Whatever is keeping you at a distance, making you think that you have to approach the throne room of grace through shouting at Jesus. Jesus is making it clear to the lepers and he's making it clear to us that we can come with confidence and show ourselves to the priest and allow him to cover us with the grace and life and hope and cleansing blood of Jesus, which was sacrificed on our behalf, for our behalf, so that we can go from being disqualified to qualified. No matter who we were, no matter what happened in the past, no matter what cloud is hanging over our head, no matter what part of your story that you leave out when you share your testimony, no matter what chapter in your book that you hope to cut out, that place, he says, no, my grace will cover that. You are not disqualified. You are qualified. You can approach the throne room of grace with what? Confidence. Not because of what you have done, but because of what I've done. You are not disqualified. You're not disqualified. The craziest thing is that we disqualify ourselves sometimes from the very thing that is going to give us the most breakthrough. Isn't it funny that Jesus said, Go show yourself to the priest. You know what that statement was? That was go to church and let the priest look you over. And then the process of restoration could begin. Not just clean and you can hang out with your family, but now fellowship can begin to happen in the house of God for you. You can begin to serve the church. You can begin to be on the leadership team. You can begin to be on the worship team. You could Maybe they had like... Jerusalem kids. I don't know. You could serve in the kids ministry. You could do something not because you're fully restored, but because Jesus' blood has washed over you and because of his grace and his sovereignty as a community, although there's a process of restoration, the moment of clean to unclean has been paid. You're not disqualified. You are not disqualified. This is, this is what David was getting at in Psalm 84. This is what he was getting at when he would say things like this. It's better to be one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Because he had experienced the God that takes the disqualified and makes them qualified. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. This desire to serve the house of God does not come from the sense of, I have to do this. There's none of that in that passage. What bleeds out of that scripture is somebody who's living on the backside of stepping from a village where they were outcast to the inner courts with confidence and their gratitude to be in the house is motivating them to say, I just want to be in the house. 
I just want to be in the house. I just want to be here. I just want to hold the door. Can I just hold the door? I can't do anything else. I just want to hold the door, man. I'm not as cool as Moses. I can't sing like that. You know, I can't wear those big baggy t-shirts like those guys do on stage. But can I hold a door? Like, man, I don't like people. I don't like to talk to people. I don't want to hold a door. Can I help out with accounting? Yes. Man, I, I don't, I, I hate numbers. I don't want to help out with accounting, but I love playing with kids. Can I, can I play with kids? Yes. Better is one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. The motivation, we want to populate our teams that are going to build a great house with people who understand that they've stepped over a line. From unclean to clean. From disqualified to qualified. That, that's, that's what we want to do. We want to populate this place with people that want to help other people encounter that line-crossing moment. Because this is the beautiful thing about the church is we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We get to look at people across the parking lot and shout at them and say, get on in here. You are not disqualified. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what's going on internally. I don't care what behavior that you're struggling with. I don't care the thing that you are hooked on. I don't care the addiction that you're trying to kick. You are welcome here. Because we serve a God who takes people just like me and makes us new. Come on, church. I'm about to preach. Y'all better help me out. Look. Look, I'm going to keep going until it gets live in here. It's like a stew. So if you want to get out of here and go to lunch, you got to help me. All right? Look, I'm trying to tell you, you have an incredible opportunity. Because people are going to be coming by the hundreds into this place because of the reputation that Jesus is building in this church. And when they step into this environment, they're going to step into an environment of hope. They're going to step into an environment of excitement. They're going to step into an environment of expectation because this place is filled with people who were disqualified. And now they are qualified. Not because we tell them to be happy. Not because we say, hey, make sure you high five somebody. Not because we say, set the lights up right because last week they didn't even work. It's because people are going to come because they, they're, they're like, I, I once was in a leper colony. And Jesus shouted out at me, go show yourself to the great high priest, the only one that can judge you. And let Jesus, the high priest, look at you and say, you are clean. You're clean. You're not who you were. You're who I'm creating you to be. You're not your addiction. There's freedom for you. You're not your sexual confusion. There's hope in your chaos. You're not the trap that maybe you've even set for yourself. You're not your broken marriage. You're not your struggling divorce. You're not your dysfunctional relationship with your boss. You are qualified because Jesus looked at you through the lens of his blood 
and said, clean, bring them back. Bring them in. Bring them in. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but somebody needs to know Jesus is saying, bring them in. Bring them in. No matter where you came from, bring them in. No matter what you did last night, come on in. No matter what you think in your head, if they only knew, come on in. Welcome home. Welcome to a house who's committed to being healthy. Not because we live perfect lives, but because we're all aware of the fact that we've been disqualified. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life. Life. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Life. You're not disqualified. You're uniquely qualified. Your story uniquely qualifies you to see those coming from right where you were into the house. You're not disqualified. You are qualified. Better is one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. We want to close today a little unique way. On your chair, there's a new card. It says serve on it. On the back, there's no spot for your name. So if that could be the first thing that you do is write your name on those cards. And that's my fault. Sorry, I'm not a detail guy. If you are, welcome home. Take that blue card that says serve on it. It's a blue card that says serve. Our heart is that every single person that says, you know what? I might be new to this church. I might have only been going here for a week. But I want to be about saying to those who are standing outside, come on in. We have so many opportunities for you to serve. There's more of opportunities that are even on that card. But we just have a heart that it's not just some of us. It's all of us. And if everybody, every single person in this room who has come to understand that we have crossed over from being disqualified to being qualified, from being unclean to being clean, say, you know what? I'm going to give what I have. I'm going to do what I can to tell that story with this community. Then we're saying, Please join with us and help us build a beautiful house filled with hope, expectation, and excitement from helping out with kids, from serving in our youth, from being on the worship team, to helping out with lighting, for being on our builders team, our first impressions team. There's so many opportunities for you to do you, to be you. And so what we want to do, we want to respond in two ways. If you could write your name on the top top of that card, and if you could check what are you interested in, and obviously a way that we can get back in touch with you, what are you interested in serving? You can choose one. You can choose five. This is not committing you to jumping in onto anything, but it is an invitation to you to be a part of shouting back and saying, come on home. You're welcome here. The high priest wants to look you over. He's right this way. The second thing is maybe you're here this morning and you've never had Jesus look at you. 
Maybe you've never opened yourself up to that. Maybe you're here this morning, you didn't even know church was happening, you heard music, you saw people walking in, you saw a big banner that said you belong here, and so you stumbled your way in, however you got here. First, we want you to know, thanks for coming. Second, this is for you. Your life does not have to be as it was. Your struggle does not have to be your story. There is a God in heaven that loves you so much that he did the unthinkable. He left heaven to come to earth to do what we couldn't do. To live a sinless life. Then he gave himself up so that we might be able to know him the way that Adam and Eve knew him before sin came and corrupted the world. To talk to him like a friend. To know him. To know his voice. To feel his acceptance. The power of his arm around you. The strength of understanding that your father is with you. And he's a God that loves you so much that you're accepted in his house and he's so committed to you that he's not going to let you leave the same way you came in. So if you want to be changed today, if you want the beginning of a new story, a new chapter, if you want to step over from being disqualified to qualified, in a minute, I'm going to pray. And I want you to begin to build courage in your soul right now that when I ask for it, that you're going to raise your hand up into the sky and say, I need Jesus to forgive me of my sin and make me clean.